Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly divorce podcast. We share the stories and experiences of divorce professionals. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about divorce and separation at divorcenet.ca. Hi, everybody. I'm Darren Javog, chair of DivorceNet and host of the Clean Break podcast. I'm here today with uh, Tina Murray. Uh, Tina is the co-host of the show. Tina, we got a guest with us today, uh, Adam Mills. Why don't you tell us a little bit about him? Yep, so Adam is with the Royal LePage Team Realty. He owns his own brokerage. He is the broker of record, obviously, there. He's been uh, being in real estate for about eight years now. He is married with a couple of kids. That must keep you busy. And uh, you live in Barhaven, so welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit more detail. Sure. Um, So I guess I got into real estate about uh, eight, nine years ago now. Um, Really what drove me into getting into real estate was a friend of, uh, of mine uh, we got together flipped a house thought it was you know this amazing thing that we were gonna you know become professional flippers and have a TV show type thing mm-hmm. um, did that we made a little bit of money on it not much um, reflecting back on it I think the only reason we made money is because our family did all the labor for free <laughs> so like, otherwise we really wouldn't have made a cent on it um, so then I'm like great I'm gonna become a professional flipper I'll get my, my real estate license you know and we'll clean up we'll do a great thing uh, got my license and then got really busy with real estate and haven't flipped a house really yeah. since. So that was kind of the Coles notes on, you know, wow. where, where, it, where it all came from. That's cool. So that's the thing still. Is it like, do people still flip houses? Totally. Yeah. You see, you still, oh, yeah. you see in the city, we have some clients still right now that are looking at flipping. Um, it's, it's tough in this market right now. It, I mean, it's great on the selling side for them because of how strong that market is, mm-hmm. but to pick up a deal that, you know, when you run the math on it, mm-hmm. it's going to actually make financial sense and they're going to actually turn a profit. Right. It's a lot tougher now. I guess there's a lot of sweat equity in that though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like if you're, if you can't go into a deal like that and say, I'm not going to even lift a finger. I'm just going to subcontract everything out. I, the the margin, margins would be crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, those U.S. shows you see on yeah. TV, you know, where they have, you know, these, these guys who drive, you know, Porsches show up and have someone, you know, a team of these guys come out and flip the house from do all the work. Yeah. Doesn't, it's not possible here. I was going to say, like, no. what are they buying it for? Like no. $10,000 or something no. like that? I mean, and the only ones right now we're seeing in RC that are really making good money, like those, you know, the, the, the new carpets and the paint job houses, you're not making money on those. Mm-hmm. Um, it's people now who are improving the house to the point of putting an addition on. So either addition off the back or in a bungalow going up with a second floor. Okay. And then you're completely changing the landscape of that house and its mm-hmm. utility. And at that point there, if you can execute that at a, you know, in a, in a decent uh, kind of cost base, then mm-hmm. you will make money. No, that's yeah. really good. It's interesting because I think the market in Toronto is probably even completely different compared to here. So I know a family member, a friend of a family member um, who had a house and it was a dive. It mm. literally was, I would not, I wouldn't let my dog live in it, to be honest with you. Yeah. And he got 600,000 for it and it's <laughs> going to be just torn straight down and a new house is going to be built up yeah. for it. Like it, it wouldn't sell in our area for eighty thousand dollars. <laughs> it's over six hundred thousand dollars. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like yeah. it's just it's the markets and what the markets will sustain. And the developer came in and bought that. Right? Yeah. So it's a it's a little bit of a different story, but. Well, like yeah. some of the jokes we have with I have some friends who are realtors in Toronto. Uh, you know, our average price point here in Ottawa wouldn't even buy a shed in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of you know how we we look at it. So yeah, yeah. Well, there has been a bit of a, a correction though, right? Like it's Definitely. right now, it's November of 2018. So yeah. uh, I know there's been a bit of pullback as far as the the, the outrageous prices that were going on down there. You know, like I mean. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's been there's been a, a real market shift that's happened in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, 
hard to say if it's going to be like, kind of like what happened in Vancouver where there was a correction and then after that it ended up turning the corner and kind of rebounding. Mm -hmm. um, so time will tell what's going to happen with that. That would be scary them. though too, right? Like if you bought at the high. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and, and I mean it, like from a financial standpoint, like I always recommend people just continuously buy into the market rather than try to time the market. Yeah. But I'm sure people in real estate were at that time were trying to time the market and buy in. And obviously they bought in at a very high point. Yeah, I mean to so. lose a couple hundred thousand dollars in, in value in wow. less than a year, I mean that would hurt. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Okay, so talk, tell us a little bit uh, a little bit about you in the market. We just before we went mm -hmm. on air, we uh, had a little conversation about you're a buyer's representative or a seller's representative. What? Right. Where do you sit in that spectrum? Okay, yeah. So I run a team. Um, so there's myself um, as a lead agent. I work exclusively on the listing side of the business. Okay. And then I have a couple of agents who work with me on the buying side. Um, and really the, the big reason that we've divided our, our labor force, if you want to think of it from that point of view, um, in that kind of uh, manner, is when I used to work with both you know, sellers and buyers, which was lots of fun, um, the issue was I was out of the office a half day every day showing homes. Oh, right. So if I'm in a meeting, my phone's in my pocket, but it's off because I don't want to be rude. Um, so that means if someone's emailing me, calling me on my listing saying, hey Adam, I need this information before I bring you an offer, or better yet, bring me an offer, I'm not dealing with that for a half day every day because I'm you know, going from one house to the next with a group of buyers. Mm -hmm. So it's not really efficient or effective at achieving the seller's goal, which is to try and get themselves a top dollar for their house, very important, right. but, but B, do it in a timely manner. Right. right. So if I'm only spending a half day on this, I'm not really achieving their, you know, their goal. Right. So right. You, you are doing a better service for your clients and providing a better yeah. service for your clients as well as the buyers. Certainly. At the end of the day, realistically, you're, yeah. you're giving better service to both clients. That's, that's for us, that's a paramount goal. We want to make sure that people are getting dedicated service mm -hmm. and they're getting the best possible experience they can have. Mm -hmm. yeah. Explain to us a little bit about that. Um, we, again, before we went on air, we were talking a little bit about um, sort of the, the process of when a brokerage is representing both the buyer and the seller, even mm -hmm. though two different realtors with inside of the brokerage are both working for the same property, the purchase or sale of the same property. Um, you were saying sort of there was that legal little piece about it. Right, so that's it's called multiple representation. So if everyone knows about um, seller representation, right? You know, you see someone's for sale sign on their lawn, their faces sometimes on it. You recognize that, okay, that person probably signed a contract with, with that realtor. That contract or that listing agreement is actually um, written to the brokerage. So the brokerage has the actual agreement in place with a certain sales representative tagged on to it. Okay. So flip that onto the buying side, same thing applies. The brokerage is now signing an agreement with a buyer with tagging a certain sales rep onto it. Okay. So when we get into that situation where you have a brokerage representing both a seller and a buyer, you're in multiple representation. So with multiple representation, it doesn't matter if there's a salesperson with, you know, uh, let's say a, a big brokerage, we'll use the one I used to be with, Royal Page Team Realty. Um, you know, they have an office in Kempville. They al also have an office down on Carling. These are very far apart from one another. Right. And it could be an agent in each of those offices that have never met each other and they don't know each other's clients. Right. But at the same point, if they come together with an offer, they're on multiple representation from a legal point of view because that brokerage is representing both sides of the deal. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So now how does that cause a, a cause a bit of a conflict? Like, like just in, in a simple way, how, how, how it, would that cause a problem? At the end of the day, what happens is you can't give people your advice. You can give them information when it comes to, um, you know, ethical uh, fiduciary duties, mm -hmm. but I can't answer most buyers' questions. Hey, Adam, what should I, what should I really offer? What do you think the house is really worth? I can't give them that information. Because you're competing against yourself more or less. That's right. Okay. You're, wow. you're stuck in the middle. So they say, hey, what's it really worth? 
I don't know. I think it's a fairly priced home. What do you think? Mm. You know, would you like some information, some data? Right. Some comparables? They say, yeah, I'd like comparables. Great. What kind of comparables do you want to see? Okay. You know, I can't go in and handpick, like, here's three that'll tell you very clearly what's going on. Mm -hmm. You need to, as a buyer, give me direction on what comparable data do you want, oh and then I'll provide that for you. So the person almost has to be a, like a real estate agent themselves to get through that situation. Or, or very analytical. Like some people that are engineers, you know, like uh, accountants, the people are very analytical. Mm -hmm. They can usually navigate that in a fairly good manner. Um, it's tough though. It's, yeah. it, it is tough. And that's why, I mean, there's different provinces that are working towards or have um, eliminated that. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. So let's talk a little bit about, you're on the divorce podcast, yes. so yeah. talk to us a little bit about divorce. Sure. Um, do, you, do you ever find, do you find that a lot of your clients are in divorce, divorces, separations? I would say, you know, of the deals we do in a year, five, maybe 10% at the most would be in that situation. Really? Um, so not a, not a massive piece of our, of our business, okay. um, but still one that, you know, it's significant enough that we are through this process or run through those motions uh, fairly often. So how do you do that? How do you deal with a client who is in a divorce situation, whether it be for the for the, the seller? I think probably let's talk specifically sure. this time about the seller because lots of times I'm sure you have husband and wife selling mm -hmm. property because they're going through a divorce. That's right. And um, maybe they want to come and get a fair market value from you or, mm -hmm. you know, they've argued about who to hire. Right. So you must see that kind of stuff. All the time, yes. Yeah. So we'll get those calls to come in. Um, first thing that I do when I'm meeting with them is to get a sense of, well, what are your, what are your real needs? What's your priorities here? You know, like, do you, do you have a goal of trying to stay within the community after, you know, you sell this house if that's what you choose to do? Um, you know, do you want to hit the refresh button and both move to different communities and get away from maybe people who know who you are, because um, those different scenarios happen all the time. Uh, and then from there, yeah, definitely, if they're gonna go down the road of, well, let's sell this property, providing them with an evaluation and trying to maximize that resale is, is key. Mm -hmm. um, I hear it all the time in our office, you know, agents that'll be working with, a, you know, clients that are going through divorce, and their mindset will be, you know what, if there's a $10,000 gap in a, in a deal between a buyer and a seller, they'll turn and say, well, you know, it's only five grand each. What does it really matter? This is not that important. Just take the deal. Let's move on. But if you stop and think of it from a more logical point of view, they're trying to use the equity from one house to usually fuel the purchase of two. Mm -hmm. So if you throw away $5,000 each, mm -hmm. that's really important money because now you have to use the equity of one house to buy two instead of just buying one, which right. most people are doing. Right. So, I mean, you can argue it. I can see the argument from that, that other realtor's kind of point of view, but really they're working against what's important to that that couple going through the divorce, they want to make sure they have enough money to actually buy two properties typically. So I like I hear from what you're saying is that finding out what your clients needs is very important to you. Yeah. Yeah. Finding out we like we have, you know, core values that we've kind of drafted as a team. Uh, and one of them uh, that we find to be the most important is understanding your story is what we say. Mm -hmm. So we want, we want to understand before we get into, you know, like, oh, how many bedrooms and bathrooms and garages do you really want? Mm -hmm. We want to understand, well, who are you? What are you trying to do? What's your lifestyle? What's important to you? Why is that important to you? And then from there, when we get into the bedrooms and bathrooms and whatever else stuff, mm -hmm. there's other things that we can use to advise and talk to our clients about that are going to maybe speak more to their lifestyle, things they haven't even thought of yet. Mm -hmm. So it allows us to guide them in a, in a better manner. And do you think that's as or even more important for divorcing clients? Definitely it is. Yeah, cause, and, and sometimes it's not clear at all um, you know, what, what those, those needs and wants are at that point in time because there's a lot of emotion that's kind of running around. So mm -hmm. um, it's just there's a little bit more probing to do to try and get to the bottom of what's important to each individual person in this uh, situation. Right. Do you find sometimes that people rush in making a decision? Do you think that 
Uh, like in, <clears throat> when they're trying to sell the house, do you find that they try to just get it done? Just get it done. I want you yeah. to get it done. Yeah, a lot. A lot of times, it's it's that. It's like I, I need to be out of here right away. Get it done. Just sell it. I don't, I don't care what the money is. Right. Is what we hear. At least from usually from one party, you hear that. Right. The other party may not be as as rushed or uh, in that mindset. Mm -hmm. But again, it's about slowing it down and explaining to them, like just so you know, the equity from one home that you'd usually you know use towards the purchase of another mm -hmm. has to actually fuel the purchase of two. Right. So rushing this is, may not be the best thing that we can do, mm -hmm. but putting a strategic plan in place might be the option that we should pursue. Okay, good. Yeah, How cool. do you think that emotion uh, affects the buying or selling process? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'd say regardless of <laughs> divorce, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's emotion no matter Absolutely. what we, we do on this when we're working with buyers and sellers. Yeah. Um, and it's always, you know, a minefield that you have to kind of navigate your way through. Yeah. And uh, like we, we joke in our sales meetings that, you know, part of our job is to be Dr. Phil and, and talk to people uh, from a point of view of, you know, what's going on here let's slow this down and, yeah. and figure out well, why are you upset why are you you know what's got you riled up on this mm -hmm. so we can get to the bottom of it you know it's funny because I am a mortgage agent as you know so I I see this all the time right mm -hmm. I see the emotional side of buying a house from the financial end which is sometimes even worse right <laughs> and so and the thing is logically I'm dealing with real estate agents all the time I'm dealing with finances all the time I'm dealing with the people buying those houses mm -hmm. all the time and we just recently sold a rental property and it, it kind of went it was great the sale process like my realtor was great mm -hmm. um, but I was really emotional <laughs> about it all and and it's funny and it was a rental and it was a rental. It wasn't even your own house no, you were living in it yeah. <laughs> and so and I kind of feel sorry for my realtor he's he's in Bro it was a property in Brockville right. and I kind of feel sorry for him <laughs> sorry bud <laughs> uh, because I was a little bit psychotic yeah. <laughs> and it was a rental property sales salespeople and people who are like affiliated in the industry for some reason end up just being the worst to work it's with in a, in a way because it's almost like like you think that they know a lot so you, you don't want to you know talk talk you know to them like they don't know anything yeah but at the same time when they're like they're deer in the headlights they just all of their logic and like their knowledge is out the window and they're just like oh no now what's going on right you know and, so and you know and that's funny because because um i know in my head you know what is better for you know rates and stuff like that it took me many many years until my husband who is not a financial person he just kind of one day when the when the rates were really low and prime was really low and which it still is now yeah. but um and he said to me don't you historically pay off your mortgage faster if you're in a variable rate mortgage and i went yeah so why are we not in a Because <laughs> my head knows that yeah. my heart can't do it yet. So I, yeah, I, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's so true, right? And so I can't even imagine mm. throwing on the emotion of a divorce or even yeah. a separation. And I think for a lot of families, it's not just about the lifestyle changing and maybe having to leave your home but you know those kids are impacted too, that's right quite often right if yeah. there are children involved with the marriage and, and with the kids like a lot of times you know when people are looking at their three options you know do i sell the house does one of us keep it and buy that out or do we work out some kind of like a joint ownership which that's a messy one mm -hmm. um but to buy one out like yeah it's great family stability it's fantastic to keep the kids and have the matrimony home mm -hmm. but now you have to do that off one salary mm -hmm. you know and and then so you figure out okay maybe my debt ratios work from like you know talk 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 to a broker it's like okay i'm at 38 percent. i'm just below the threshold i can do it mm -hmm. but now factor in hockey you know for what that costs and dance and gymnastics and swimming and whatever else it is you do with your kids mm -hmm. well can you still afford it then mm -hmm. and the answer is usually no so like, do you, is that conversations you have with people? Definitely. Like, 
I mean, obviously you're not on the financial end, but like you've really expressed that you really care about your clients mm -hmm. and that you, you want to explore those and give them some of those realities. That's right. Yeah. Cause I mean, a lot of times it depends on who their, their bank or their broker is going to be, but a lot of times they're going to assess it from a pre-approval point of view, which is very mm -hmm. black and white in a spreadsheet and says, Oh yeah, your debt ratios are fine. You can do it. You know, right. you're just below the threshold, Right. Uh, but they're not going to, they're not factoring. Well, what's my hockey, you know, my kids do three hockey tournaments uh, a year and that's mm -hmm. another 500 bucks. Plus they play hockey. Yeah, you know, my, my daughter's in, like, I'm using my example, that was my daughter's in dance. You know, that's not cheap to do dance. Very expensive. They, I think they're they're more <laughs> expensive than hockey, to it, be yeah, honest with you. Yeah, once you're adding in the little outfits, the, the yeah, shoes yeah, and the odds. Yeah, and the yeah. recitals. And, yeah. yeah, Sickening. I don't have girls, but I have a niece <laughs> who does it. You know, I only have boys. Girls <laughs> don't even play hockey, do they? No, they weren't. They, you know what? I, I, I dodged that bullet oh. big time because they, they, they never liked being cold and they never oh. really liked skating. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's... That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sadly got tagged with both the hockey and the, the dance. So wow. Yeah. But but yeah. So it's like I mean. So it's important. Like once you sit down with people after they have that you know meeting for financing, is to say okay, well let's do a budget. You know, and, and you run your own budget, Mister or Mrs. Seller. Yeah. But make sure you factor in these other important things because there's there's things that are, are not being talked about when you're talking with a typical banker or, uh, or broker. Mm -hmm. What do you find some of the mistakes people make when they're selling or or even buying um, during that divorcing process? Um, sometimes on the buying side, uh, and I'm not trying to talk myself out of sales because that's not what I'm supposed to do. Right. Uh, but sometimes rushing into purchasing right away, yep. especially with both them purchasing, is just not the right thing to do. Right. Um, maybe one person buy, the other person choose to rent. Make sure that the community, the lifestyle change, uh, the type of housing change is all going to work. Because you don't want to be selling a matrimonial home to buy two and then find out a year and a half later that that was a mistake and you have to sell both of those again. Mm -hmm. You know, like real estate isn't free to, to be, you know, acquiring it or disposing of it. Mm -hmm. So you want to be mindful of, of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Now, I know one thing uh, that you mentioned, Tina, is that with financing, you have to have a separation agreement in mm -hmm. place before you can get financing, right? Um, I guess there's no rules around that as far as real estate goes, right? Like if you put yourself out there, like as an agent, would you normally ask to see that the person has the documents in place to make sure they can do the transaction? On the um, selling side, so li like listing their property, mm -hmm. as long as both people sign the listing agreement, that's really all I need from a, a legal perspective. Mm -hmm. But when I'm helping them on the buying side, when they're going to get a pre-approval done, which we before we start our car and take them to see anything, we get them pre-approved. Right. And like you're, like I guess what Tina was was mentioned to you offline before, um, you need that separation agreement. Otherwise, no bank or no broker can do anything. They can't touch it. Right. right. There are situations where they can. Really. Where we can, yeah. How? We'll have a discussion. Oh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are circumstances when you can, um, it, and it really just depends on each individual situation. Okay. I've had a client sign affidavits mm -hmm. saying that the. Um, you know, whatever the, there are, there are circumstances when you can do it. I've actually had a lawyer sign a legal document wow. stating, and both cl the clients still own the home. Um, there just happened to be no mortgage on the home. Oh, so they were financially strong, I guess. So all they were, all right. she was doing was buying a new property. So the lawyer, and there was no separation agreement in place, mm -hmm. and the lawyer signed a document. Wow. Showing, and I was like, I can't, I honestly couldn't believe I pulled that one out of my own hat. 
That's like crazy. I, it was just cra- yeah. So wow. you can, I mean, I'm not suggesting or advocating to oh yes, rush into buying a house without a separation agreement because mm. ultimately 90% are going to mm. need one. But there are instances where you can get it done without a separation agreement. Hmm. Right. That's so, wild. Mm-hmm. Now there, and so tell me a little bit about uh, the value of working with a realtor because I know one of the things I hear all the time is well, do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, use the uh, you know the, the 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 list online and do it mm-hmm. all yourself. So tell me some of the pitfalls of of that uh, that le- that might lead to if somebody tries to do it on their own. Uh, that's a good one. Um, and something that we get fairly often as well. Typically, to answer this question in a very like illustrated, you know, kind of fancy manner, I have a uh, a, a one pager I'd go through with people. Right. And it outlines the cost differential of listing your house with a realtor versus doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, really, what it boils down to is when you list your house on your own. 90 or 95 percent of the time the buyer coming to your property is going to have a realtor with them right mm-hmm. right so there's going to, you're going to be paying real estate fees no matter what okay. um, you want to work with me as a buyer and i'm bringing my my client to your property you know the standard that we see a lot of times in the city is around two and a half percent is what the buying side is being paid right so the seller now who's trying to do this for free or, or save money is for sure paying two and a half my argument when I'm bringing my client to that for sale by owner mm-hmm. is, okay, well now I have a, a buyer client that I'm representing and plus you, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I need to explain this legal document to you so that you understand what you're reading. Mm-hmm. So my liability has got all of a sudden stretched a little bit further and now it's you know, applied somewhat to that seller as well. So if things go sideways, I now have more people who can take me to court, wow. which I don't like. Right. So, so because of that, I increase that fee. So for me, I wouldn't do it for two and a half. I'd be look, I'd be pushing for three or more okay. to compensate. If I'm taking on more risk, well, I should be getting paid for it. Otherwise, why would I take why on the risk? There's yeah. no, there's no purpose. Right. Right. You know, right. and that's pretty logical. Anyone in any industry, if you said, oh, I want you to do your regular job and add more risk to it, yeah, it's okay. Well, you're gonna have to pay me for this, right? Yeah. So, so same thing applies there. So once you factor all that in, um, and then you factor in your time off work. 60%, if not more, of showings happen Monday to Friday between 8 and 5. Hmm. So if both of you have jobs and you're both working, who's showing your house? Hmm. Who's letting the people in and out of your house? You take that time off work, hmm. right? What's that cost to you? You're taking the day off, so you're burning a vacation day? Mm-hmm. Well, use your salary for one day and figure out that cost because that's what you're spending. So once you actually look at the full picture, a lot of people, when they look at that and they go, oh, is that really worth my time? They usually will will come back and say, "Okay, you know what? No, this this makes sense. Let's let's continue on. Let's let's proceed with listing it." Good, all right, excellent. Do you have any uh, stories about some crazy things that have happened? Whether you know, it, I mean, if you could relate it to divorce, that'd be great. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, come on, what did I do last weekend? <laughs> no, we don't want to know about okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, just some stories of things that have happened. You know, we everybody has quirky deals that uh, fall on their plates. <laughs> So, is there anything that comes oh, to mind? Or? It's such an open-ended question. There's so <laughs> many things. Um, there's so many things from you know what you what you see when you walk into a into a property to show it. Um, you know, between houses that have you know like fish being dried on a floor, like in Chinatown, uh, by tenants who live there with no appliances, to walking in, you know, to a couple that's in the shower together oh. while you're showing a home. Wow. Oh, I mean, wow. there's. <laughs> I mean, this, honestly, the sky's the limit on what I could tell you right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's wow. there's lots of things that you kind of end up seeing throughout the course of business. Yeah. Do you have like confidentiality clauses? Yeah. Well, I can't mention names or addresses, I guess, but yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. So there's some pretty wild stuff that you end up kind of seeing the more you're out there for sure. Wow. Actually, you just touched on something that's interesting. Like when you're talking about the fish drying on the floor. Um, so. When someone's going to be listing a house, especially in, in a situation when they're getting divorced, right? 
Um, is there some tips that you kind of give people to say, look, like many times when people are going through divorce, financially they're strapped. There's a lot going on. This is the biggest asset they have in their life. Mm -hmm. And you've already identified the fact that they, you don't want them to give it away or make less than they should, right? But are there some things that you kind of tell people uh, that they should focus on to try to get a better bang for their buck? Fish off the floor. <laughs> first thing you have to do. Fish yeah, fish number one. Fish no yeah. Yeah, that's it. No, get, get out of the shower before the showing. Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> close on. Yeah, preferably. Um, no, so some things that are really important uh, is definitely staging. So we bring in an interior designer or a stager to meet with them. Go through room by room with these uh, with a couple and just help them typically use the furniture that they have in the best possible way. Right. So reorganize a little bit of how the house is being used. Declutter it uh, is another big one. Um, sometimes uh, having a painter go through and just do some small touch-ups is huge. You know, people walk through a house, especially if they have, they have kids in this house, mm -hmm. usually houses that have, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to generalize, but houses that have children uh, with a couple going through divorce, they usually haven't been as mindful with what's going on in the house, you know, with kids maybe running out the little hockey sticks banging walls. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of all of a sudden wear and tear that's just accelerated mm -hmm. in that time frame. So spending $500 on a, on a painter that, you know, we have a great one that, that we send into our listings all the time um, that gives our clients an amazing rate. Mm -hmm. You know, so to redo, you know, most size homes, if you can get in and out of there in a day to, you know, kind of patch and paint, yeah. you know, you're looking at $500. Mm -hmm. So this is not big money to spend, mm -hmm. but to have buyers go through and go, oh, this is a nice fresh looking home. Not a, ooh, this one looks a lot older than it is. Mm. That's not what the comments you want to hear. That's going to cost you thousands of dollars, mm -hmm. not $500. Right. Yeah, right? So, so it's things like that, just like small little tweaks we can do mm -hmm. um, that are as painless as possible. We, you know, we can execute most of this if they authorize us on, on their behalf. Okay. So I can put a lockbox on the door. I can get my painter to go through, get the paint, paint the house, and they can do it all when everyone's at work and at school. Mm. So that way there's no disruption for them. So here's a question, uh, and this is a personal, just... Uh, observation kind of thing when it comes to landscaping is that usually important depends on time of year okay you okay. know so like a lot of times when I'm looking at or talking to clients I'll get the question you know like, what's the best time to sell my house right and my question to them is other than outside of you know like well, what's your lifestyle like and, and you know is school for your kids important whatever else mm -hmm. but the simple answer is well what kind of landscaping do you have mm. like oh I haven't really put any money into it Perfect. January, February is your, you know, snow is your, <laughs> snow is your best friend. No one stares at the back patio door and looks and goes, wow, I can't wait to sit out there on that patio. Right? Oh, that's a good point. It's minus 30. No one wants to do yeah. it. So it's not even on their radar. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's a good point. But if you put money in a landscape and then wait till you can showcase it. Right. right. That's a good point. And does it usually come back to you? Like landscaping? You're, yeah. It's, I mean, there's all kinds of different statistics on it. We see, you know, 40 to 50% of what you spent coming back. Okay. Uh, and pools are less than that. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you ever find it's difficult when you're making suggestions to uh, a couple that's divorcing, like, okay, you really need to do this and you really need to do that? Do you ever find that there's you know, one person saying, no, we're not spending any more money totally. here? Yeah. How do you deal with that? So a lot of times, uh, like our stager is fantastic. She'll go through and she'll be the one that's kind of outlining these suggestions. Then I'll set up a call individually with, uh, with both sides okay. to walk through the suggestions and say, you know what, here's what, you know, her name is Allison, so here's what Allison said. Here's why she's saying this, and here's why I think it's important. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you feel about this? And it's easier to ask them both separately. Right. And then once you've had a call with both of them, you can then at that point put an email together to everyone and say, hey, you know what? It's great. Uh, a pleasure speaking with both of you. Um, you know, here's what you know. I think we're going to do as long as you both agree. Based on our conversations, this is what we think makes sense. Right. Right. And does that generally work? Typically, it works. Yeah. yeah. Having a meeting together never works well because one's right. going to say, "No, I don't want this." And the other one says, "Oh, we should be doing this." And mm -hmm. you, that, there's no point. In 
and having a, a fight, you know, take place over some staging. Right. So it's better to have separate uh, separate calls. Well, and then sometimes they may feel like, well, that was my idea, and the other may feel like it was that, you know. Totally, and they yeah. don't, it's it's just if, especially if it's a strained a strained separation, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, we I have a client I know that Darren has worked with as well, and um, and what he said said to me on the financial end was suggestions that they had been making. Mm-hmm. Uh, to one another, we're not, we're falling on deaf ears. Mm. And then, you know, Darren's company got involved and sort of laid it all out financially and everybody's happy. And yet it was exactly the same thing that right. one of the parties was already talking about. Right. And so I can see how that would work because it's coming from a third, an so objective it's, it's third party. A, exactly. The way it's being positioned, it's, mm-hmm. it's from that objective uh, third party, mm-hmm. which I think is really important. So that brings a, a really good um, conversation or question of the next. So do you find yourself sometimes when you're working with people bringing their expectation down when they're coming out of divorce? Because, you know, <clears throat> my my uh, own experience has been that people don't really understand their finances completely, mm-hmm. right? So that's a bit of a struggle is getting them through that learning curve of understanding the fact that they're going to be by themselves. Mm-hmm. And now that they have to pay for everything themselves, they might not be able to afford the same luxuries that they had before, mm-hmm. right? So in your situation, um, do you find yourself having to explain or educate the person as far as what they can afford and what, what their lifestyle is going to have to be? Like, yeah. You know? yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, especially on the, on the buying side of it. I mean, looking at it and saying, okay, you're, you know, you have this $700,000 beautiful home in Stonebridge. We'll pick on that neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, you know, in Barhaven that you're selling. And now you're going to take that and have to buy something that you can each afford. Mm-hmm. You know, townhouses there right now are 375 to 425 Right. So buying two of those townhouses costs more than your house. Right. So are you going to be doing that, you know, a two-story beautiful townhouse? Probably not. Right. You know, so you might be moving into a three-story stack townhouse in Half Moon Bay just behind Stonebridge yep. because now that's going to fall in the, you know, 320 and under category, mm-hmm. which mathematically you can both afford, right. right? So there's a big realignment of expectations there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, not the easiest conversation to have. But it's kind of, you know, take things one step at a time. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point, one mm-hmm. step at a time. Well, and, you know, that was the thing, uh, you know, I am married for many years, and, um, I, you know, there's lots of divorce net stuff around my house, so I, I would just try to always say to the kids and my husband, don't worry, I'll let you know when we're getting divorced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, there was something that was, I don't know, my husband and I were kissing in the kitchen one day, and my my 16-year-old said, ew, and I said, well, would you rather me us fighting and arguing and getting divorced? And his little offhanded comment was, double the gifts. Yeah. And I said, we can barely afford to live now. You yeah. think you're going to get double the <laughs> yes. gifts, kid? You know? And he went, oh, yeah. You know? But I just, you know, I think that that's no reason to stay in a marriage, for no. sure. I mean, but, so everybody's laughing at me now. So uh-huh. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> um, but it, it's just, you know, you're right. The finances are such a huge thing. And it's, mm-hmm. the whole, the whole thing is so, it, it's, it's overwhelming for so many people, and I yeah. think it's really good that they have a professional mm-hmm. to work with on every level, right? Yeah. You're, you're not just you're not just looking at the let's get this house sold, right? Let's figure out what you need and what we can do the best for you, exactly, and your partner that's selling this home. Mm-hmm. That's right, so. and then you know, like I was, I was mentioned, so it's like a one step at a time. I find if you tell people about the selling piece of things and then you get right into the buying and trying to align their expectations on what they can afford. Mm-hmm. That's just too much information. It's too much of a downer all in one time. Mm-hmm. It's better to decide, okay, well, what what is it we're going to do with this house? Can you afford to keep it yes or no? And if you can't, 
let's get you know the wheels in motion and get that piece moving. Mm-hmm. And once we've gotten some traction on that, at mm-hmm. that point, let's get into a lot more detail on the purchasing side of things. What I find in my experience is that a lot of people don't want to go to that rental in between. Thing, yeah. Right. They 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 feel like if one spouse is keeping the house or one spouse is already buying a house, mm-hmm. you know, they sell this, but one is already buying the house. The other spouse feels like I can't not have a house for my kids mm-hmm. and I want to rent for a year and mm-hmm. pay the expenses of renting for a year and then move again. I don't yeah. want to uproot my kids. Yeah. Do you hear that a lot? A lot. And I mean, we walk through it with people and, and again, like, a, like I say, like I, I don't like talking myself out of sales. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't make money doing that, but we look at their situation, you know, for them and what's most important to them. And if financially it seems dicey or there's some job uncertainty mm-hmm. uh, or they might something, some factor might take them out of that neighborhood, then we strongly encourage them to rent for a year because that will make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and I was just going to say, like, I think that that speaks volumes because um, they're, they, I think people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? right. So it, you may not get the sale today, but a year or two down the road, they, mm-hmm. they may have really appreciated that advice that you gave them. Mm-hmm. And they're going to say, hey, Adam, I think yeah. buy a house now, you know, so... Yeah, well, that's a good point, actually, because uh, Adam and I came together because of somebody that we both jointly knew. Yeah, uh, that's was, right. Uh, uh, Drew, you know yeah, Drew yeah, yeah. Burgess? So he uh, he recommended me to Adam uh, for the DivorceNet team. And it's funny because <laughs> when when he gave me your information, I think Drew thought that I was getting, <laughs> I was getting divorced, <laughs> right? Yeah. So he's like, oh, yeah, you got to talk to Adam. He's yeah. great, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. So I contacted you, and your first uh, response was, I think you thought I was going through divorce yeah. as well, right? So I, I emailed Drew and I was like, thanks for, the, thanks for the referral, but I'm not getting divorced. Yeah. He's like, oh my God, thank God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's great news. All right. What can I do for you? <laughs> no, that was awesome. Yeah. Well, Adam, we have to wrap it up, but just tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Uh, you can find me through our website. So ottawaishome.com. Um, or you can call us at the office anytime as well. But likely if you find us through, uh, through the web, that's probably the, probably the quickest and easiest for most people, I'd say. Awesome. And of course, you're on the DivorceNet. And the divorce net, yes, that's right. Well, so. yeah. Full profile yeah. there. Awesome. That's right. excellent. Yeah. All right, well, thanks again. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks for thanks coming. Thanks for coming. No problem. You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on divorce. You can find this and other great advice from divorce professionals at divorcenet.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. Our mission is to give access for every person in Canada to connect with reliable divorce professionals and advice locally. DivorceNet.ca. Expert advice made simple.